Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of City Harvest Church, Orange County. To find out more about City Harvest or Pastor Derek, please visit chcus.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at chcus and derekdunnoc. We started last week uh, our revival series. Someone say revival. And I'm going to continue this morning, uh, and we're going to be talking over the next few weeks on revival. What is revival? How do we get into what God is doing? And I believe that as we preach the word, signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. I believe we're going to see a revival birthed in our midst. We're in the midst of a revival, but I believe it's going to come uh, at another level, and uh, we're going to be able to really see uh, God building the momentum and the move of God here in this place. You should get excited about that. Come on, that's why we're here. What else are we here for? Amen? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms 85 and verse 6, it says this. David says, will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? So David says, will you not come and revive us again? And we looked last week at the different revivals that were here, the great awakenings that happened. We looked specifically at America, not in other parts of the world. Uh, but we're going to talk about one of the revivals, the Welsh, Welsh revival this morning that happened in Europe. Uh, but the, the, the awakenings happened in America, and it began to transform society. The last uh, great awakening, and, and that's what this movie, Jesus Revolution, is about, uh, was happened in the 70s in the midst of the, the time when they were the hippies. And, uh, you know, their, 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 their slogan was about checking out and just dropping out and drop out of school, check out. And it was a time when they said, there's no truth. Truth is not absolute. It was a time when they were just going to, into drugs. And if you want to uh, escape and contact God and, and come into a higher level of spirituality, it's, you do that through LSD. And they got into hallucinogenics and all those kind of things. But very similar to our day. In a day when, it, when, when most people smoke marijuana... Oh, come on. I went to Starbucks this morning, and I got out of my car, and I was walking inside. I was like, woo-hoo-hoo. I had a cloud, you know. Sound like a, smelled like a skunk's butt, but I knew the skunk wasn't there. It was something else. I mean, everywhere we go, you, you see things happening. Come on, don't look at me like you know what I'm talking about. But, but God doesn't want us to, to, to be looking to those things. Even people are debating now, well, is it okay, you know, because it's legal? No, it's not okay. It's bad for you. Come on, you want to have the most high get high on Jesus, don't get high on substance abuse and get dependent on something else, regardless of what it is, whether it's entertainment, whether it's substance, whether it's uh, whatever. We want God to be first. We want it. Paul said, I don't want to come under the power of anything else. So if you're getting on the power of anything else, you need something to relax. Come on, you need to learn to worship more. I'm not even going to go there this morning, but we could preach on that, and, and, and it's relevant. But, but that was the day they were in, and people were escaping, and the young people, they're looking for purpose, they're, they're fed up, they're dropping out of school, and they're, you know, just wanting to come and find love, and, and, and you know, there was all these things going on, and people thought, this generation is lost, there's no hope for this generation, and God said, Really? And uh, God began to do a movement among the Jesus people, and we began to see the hippies coming to the Lord. The churches had to change the way they did church a little bit, uh, but they, they came in, and a move of God began to happen, and uh, we're believing for the same thing to happen. Young people, come on, coming, backsliders coming back to God, those unchurched that have had a wrong concept of religion coming to the Lord. So we cry out, we say, God, will you not revive us again? So what? Your people can rejoice. Come on, that's what, what it's all about when we see people on fire for God bringing Jesus into the marketplace in the realms of arts, entertainment, and media, in the realms of government and education. Come on, we need a move of God in our schools. 
They say, well, we don't want God in the schools. Well, guess what? If you carry God and you have to go to school, God is in the school because you're in the school. They can't keep, can't keep God out of anywhere because God was very smart. He said, I'm not going to be in a box just in a tabernacle in a temple somewhere. I'm going to put myself in every single person. And wherever we go, our feet shall tread. God gives us dominion. Come on, we carry the presence of God. Come on, you, turn your neighbor and say, you are revival. Revival's in us. It's not about get out of it. We want to see people coming to church. Yeah, they're going to come to church because they've come to meet the family. They come for family reunion on the weekend, but they got saved during the week. They got delivered in the week. They got touched in the week. They got prophesied over. Come on. They, they got slain in the spirit. They, they encounter God, and they come on Sunday and think, wow, there's more people like me? And they can come and meet the family. That's what revival is about. The prophet Habakkuk understood this when he prayed. He said in Habakkuk 3, verse 2, I have heard all about you, Lord, and I'm filled with awe by the amazing things that you have done. Are you still filled with awe of God? One of my good friends, John Bevere, he wrote a, a book, and, and, and he was a mentor in all my life at one time, and especially when I was first starting out. He wrote a book, The Awe of God. I said, send me a copy. He's sending me a free copy. Amen. But, but the awe of God, are you still in awe of God? You should never, if you still start getting familiar with God, get familiar with church, you need a revival. That we stand in awe of God. In this time of our deep need, begin again to help us as you did in years gone by. Show us your power to save us. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Is God angry with sin? Yes, he is. But guess what? He remembers mercy. God's not here to judge. He's not here. We're under grace. He sent his son to save those that were lost. He came as a, a shepherd to sheep that didn't have a shepherd. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the lost. Amen. And so he's drawing us to himself. And so God wants to come. In a time of need, we need nothing less than a move of God can shift our nation. Nothing less than a move of God can, can, can cause people to come out of addiction and, and, and the, 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 the excesses that are there in people and the bondages over people life. People are struggling with depression. As we come out of COVID, things are up hundreds percent. Because we don't even know the social ills that happen by locking people in their home for a year. Yeah. Among the young people. And I, we met young people and talked to people and they're, they're struggling with depression. They were A students. And, and what happened? They came to the place where they couldn't study at home. And, and their grades went down and they start feeling terrible about themselves. Come on. We need a move of God. Yeah. Come on. All the counseling. Thank God for counseling. But just counseling people and listening to people go round and round and talk about their problems doesn't help anybody. We need counseling. We need to understand. We need to understand what's going on. But we need the move of God. Yeah. Are you here? Uh, uh, we can talk about our broken marriage, but only God can heal our heart. Yeah. We can talk about our emptiness and our loneliness, but only God can fill the hole in our heart. We can look to all the other things, but only God can satisfy. Yeah. Come on, we need a move of God. How badly do you want to see another revival? Yeah. How, how, how hungry are we for a move of God? Yeah. That determines what happens. And David says, come on, do it again, God, so that we can rejoice in you. Come on, someone say, do it again. We pray for prosperity, and I believe God's going to bless us. He's going to prosper his people this year. But, you know, most of the time, revival comes during calamity. Revival comes. We learned about the third great awakening came in the midst of the financial crisis when the world went into depression. 
Why? Because when everything's going well, most people don't look for God. And many times that's even true for Christians. But when we're in trouble, what do we say? Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. I need a miracle. Are you here? And so many times we look, we're we're living in dark times and God's going to be there with us. His grace is there, going to be with us. But at the same time, in those times, we got to come to a place where we're no longer just self-supportive. We're no longer just focused on ourselves. But we're we're saying we need God. Are you here? What is really revival? Last week we learned revival is a community that's saturated with God. A community that's saturated with the presence and power of God. One person said this, revival is an invasion from heaven. Come on, we need an invasion from heaven where God comes and invades. Come on, where the the devil thinks he's ones and what happened? Jesus invaded hell. All the demons were rejoicing and Jesus comes down to hell and they say, we got him. And Jesus said, oh, really? You ain't got nothing on me. Because he was without sin. And what did he do? He began to plunder hell and began to populate heaven. Come on, revival's an invasion from heaven. Or, uh, Richard Owen Roberts said this, revival is an extraordinary moment, movement excuse me, of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary results. I love that. An extraordinary. I'm tired of ordinary. Come on. Come on I, you're not going to have an ordinary service because every week we're going to do something different. Just for the fact we can. Amen. I hate the ordinary. I hate the predictable. I hate the place where there's no expectation. I travel around the world many times and go into places like that. And come on, let's have a move of God. Let's do something different. Let's pray until God shows up. Let's worship until the glory falls. Come on, let's praise until the chains fall off. Let's do something extraordinary. A.W. Tozier defined revival as this, that which changes the moral climate of a community. So it's not just Christians experiencing power and rolling on the floor and laughing and and prophesying and all those things happen and demons flying. All those things are wonderful. But what is it? It touches the community. It brings conviction on the community. It's attracted to the community where people will leave their drugs. The hippies left their LSD and they came into worship. They left the, the, what they saw was a false love, which was perversion and lust, and they came and experienced the true love of God. Come on, and that's what we need to see, where community is changed, amen? Revival is nothing more and nothing less than obeying God and hungering and wanting his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Revival's a church word. We learned last week that revival is not for the unchurched. It's for the church. We think revival is going to happen in the marketplace, and I believe that's true. But how is it going to happen is we carry the presence of God from the church into the marketplace. We're the carriers of revival. God's under, well, you want to say God's just going to start touching people at Ralph's? No. We got to be there. We got to be in the midst of, we're the carriers of revival. He told us to go into all the world and what? Bring a revival. Proclaim the goodness of God. And what did he say? As you proclaim it, I'll back you up. As you preach, signs and wonders will follow the preaching. If you tell people God's a healer, pray for people and I'll heal them. We had our Brazil documentary screening last uh, Friday and uh, powerful. But, but what happened? We went to some difficult places where there was no, nobody's clapping, nobody's dancing, nobody's really excited about worship. And I have to preach. And sometimes you're sitting there and in your mind I'm like, let's rush out of this place and get back to the hotel. Amen. Come on, let's, Stephen's going to preach tonight. Amen. And 
and you know, in, the, in your mind and your flesh. But guess what? I, you get provoked. You can provoke a move of God. And you get up here and say it's time for a move of God and all this religiosity that's doing nothing and all these people who have no expectancy and want, think they come to church to sleep. You're not going to say, I had somebody came to church and they're like, this is the first church I never slept in. So we'll make sure you're not sleeping because if you start, your eyes start flattering, I'm getting you to turn to your neighbor. Come on, they're going to wake you up. This is a proactive, participated thing. We're not just here to, to give information and put you, lull you into a slumber. Come on, we need to wake up. We need to wake up and, and, and wake the people up. But it's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. People know what's authentic and what's not authentic. Are you here? The world needs evangelism, but evangelism doesn't happen until the church is in revival. And the church revived will begin to share. You can't help but tell somebody because I get excited when I tell somebody and God touches people. There's nothing like it. I get excited when God does miracles. I get excited when demons manifest. It's fun. Ooh, there's demons. No, it's fun. The disciples thought it was fun. Jesus, even the demons obey us when we use your name. That's so cool. Jesus like, guys, just be happy your name's in the book of life. Come on. They were excited. And so we need to be excited because, come on, greater is he who is in us than he who's in the world. The two kinds of revival in the Bible. We put this up for you. The first is personal. Where we cry out to God to revive us personally. And we all need to be doing that. We all need to come before God. Sometimes we can get a bit dry. Sometimes we get a bit tired. We can be a bit weary. And we come into God and he revives us. Come on, I get it revived every morning and night. If I ain't revived, I can't go to work because I got a lot of stuff going on. When I come home, I'm tired. And God, I get revived. Are you here? We need to come to that place where, where, where he's the vine, where the branches and we're connected with God. But then there's also the corporate revival which is a, a revival of the supernatural work of God in our midst today. It's not just for us personally, but it's for the territory. It's just not a, for us personally. It's just not for City Harvest Church. It's not just for you and your family. But come on, it's for us to bring it into Orange County. Yeah. To bring it into California. Yeah. To bring it into the different states and the different nations. Are you here? It's a corporate revival. When God's people are no longer experiencing the abundant life of God, the joy of God, it's time to prepare for revival. There were four great awakenings we looked last week, but I want to share with you about the Welsh revival. It happened in 1904 through 1905, and it happened through a 26-year-old intern. His name was Evan Roberts, and he prayed for revival for 11 years. Not one year, not five minutes. For 11 years, come on, we've been praying for revival for 10 years. <laughs> but come on, guess what? Someone told me we're, we're celebrating 10, but we're actually going to be 11. Because yeah. we're in our 11th year. Come on, you celebrate your birthday at the end of the year, not the beginning. Some of you are like, how many know your first birthday you were alive for a year? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Liam's going to have his first birthday. We're going to get him a big old cake and let him stick his face in it. Come on. You celebrate at the end of the year. So, so as we're really coming into our 10th celebration, what are we doing? We're moving into year 11. Come on. We've been praying. We've been moving for a revival. But come on, if God could do it for Evan Roberts, why can't he do it for us? Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time for revival. He began to be moved for a hunger for revival, and he felt what God was going to pour out, a mighty revival in Wales. And he prayed 
bend me, Lord, to your will. Bend me, Lord, that I could be used for revival. The pastor let him speak during a prayer meeting. Here's this revivalist, and guess what? Only 17 people stayed. 17 young people stayed, mostly youth, young adults, stayed, and they began to pray. But it ended up they can cried out to God until 2 a.m. for a move of God. That week, the next week in church, 60 people got saved. And then for the next one and a half year, the revival in Wales happened. It was a prayer movement. It was a movement that they began to cry out for their nation. They began to cry out for conviction. And what happened? In that year, people began to get touched by the God because they encountered God in prayer. When they went out, what happened? They began to touch people and the presence of God began to draw people. And 100,000 people were saved in the next one and a half years. Come on, give the Lord a shout for that. It changed the national culture. The bars and the liquor stores were shut down because nobody was in the bars getting drunk anymore. They even disbanded the police force. Not because of some political agenda, but because crime, there was no crime. They didn't need so many police. They didn't need to, because people were, were coming into Christian values and come on, not stealing and not hurting and not committing adultery and not murdering and not doing those things where they didn't really need the police. They would pray from many times 1 a.m. till 5 a.m. In, in the morning, and prayer meetings were multiplied. At one point in time, there were 2,000 people in a prayer meeting. And it was an all-night prayer meeting coming out, a time when most of us are sleeping. Come on, you got to get ready, Dwayne. No more sleep. You wake up at 1 a.m. You can come and do the morning prayer meeting. <laughs> Dwayne sleeps early. I always joke with him. You know, he's, he's a, he sleeps super early and gets up early. But come on, in that place, we're going to be planning an all-night prayer meeting coming up, you know, in the next few weeks to come together just to tarry. Come on, where we don't have to worry. Our phone's not going off. Nobody's calling us. There's no, there's no Zoom call with some place. We can just come because everybody's sleeping. But we're, we're coming and worshiping and, and, and knocking on the door of heaven and seeking. Come on, nothing happens without prayer. What is revival really? How do we prepare for it? I want you to go to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7 this morning. And it says here about Solomon. When Solomon had finished praying, again, revival happens through prayer. As he finished praying, fire came down from heaven and it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the glory was so heavy. The word glory in the, in the Old Testament in Hebrew is the word kabod. Did I say it right, Anne? Kabod. You know, if you don't know Greek or Hebrew, just say it confidently. People think you're saying it right. All right, kabod. And, and that means the weight the weight of God was so heavy in that place. In verse 2, it says, The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because God is big. The train of his robe fills the whole temple. And when God is, is big in a place, guess what? Man has to get out of the way. The glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the temple. And they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and they praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Let's go down to verse 10. 
And on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their tents. They were joyful and glad of heart for the good that the Lord had done for David, for Solomon, for the people of Israel. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make the house of the Lord and in his own house. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer, and I've chosen the place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Amen. What is God saying? God wants us to live in an open heaven. God wants us to live in a, in, in, in a time where we're worshiping, where we're putting God first, where we're seeking first the kingdom of God, where we're pursuing him, that the glory of God is there. Yeah. God doesn't give the treasures of the kingdom of heaven to people who don't appreciate it or aren't serious. Yeah. It's not about offering lip service to God. It's about coming to God with our whole heart. Jesus said that we need to love the Lord our God, our God with all of our heart, with all of our strength, our mind, with all that's in us. And that's how the people were. They came and they worshiped. And the glory of God was there. It was amazing. And people responded and gave out of the worship, out of their heart. But God says something. If heavens are locked up, if we walk in obedience, if, if we're not seeing a move of God, the key to opening up the heavens, if my people, if there's a requirement. My people are called by my name. Come on, we're his people. Tell your neighbor, you're his people. Come on. We're his people. If we're called by our name, we got to humble ourselves and we've got to pray and seek his face and turn away from sin. He says he will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sin and he will heal our land. It's not rocket science, but that's what revival is. Revival is what? Fire from heaven. Revival is the glory of God. Revival is a people that are willing to sacrifice their time, their talent, their treasure. Revival is worship. We've seen in Asbury and the different places and where, where it was just worship going. It's so simple. It's not, uh, you know, a big superstar preacher. They're coming in line, standing in line for three hours. They don't care who you are. It's about the presence of God and you can stand in line like everybody else. Are you here? Some people did, some people left, but if you're humble and you want the presence of God, I don't care. I'm going to stand in line all night long. Come on. People stand in line to get U2 tickets. They stand in line for concerts. They stand in line for all this stuff. Come on, I tell you, it's gonna come back where we're gonna see the lines of people hungering to come into the house of God. You better not be late. Don't be one of those people that's 11.59 because you're gonna be in the overflow. Because when people are hungry, they come early. Are you here? What are the roadblocks to revival? Pride, prayerlessness. If we allow ourself and the, the, the promotion of self to get ahead of the promotion of God, that's pride. When we are in the place where we're not praying, we're not connecting with God, where, where we're just satisfied, where we're involved in sin, we've got to get rid of those things. This morning, I want to give you the four keys to preparing for revival. Do we want revival? Yes. What must we do? These are the keys that unlock revival in our church and in our lives. We're talking about corporate revival here. Number one, humility. Humility. The Bible says in Isaiah 57 and verse 15, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, 
whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. You want to walk with God, you've got to be contrite. What does that mean? Sincere. And you've got to, to be holy. With him who has a contrite and what? A humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite or the broken ones. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. That's the cry of the humble. Being humble doesn't mean that we're weak. doesn't mean that, oh, I'm just a worm and, I'm, and I don't know who I am. No, we're sons and daughters of God. But what is it? It's knowing that we need God. That we want to decrease and God wants to increase. It's not about our promoting ourselves. It's about Jesus being lifted up. It's about Jesus being glorified. It's not just about building our house and, and the house of God is in ruins. And we've got money in our bank and God has no money in his bank to further his kingdom. That we're focused on the kingdom of God. What is humility? I put this up. It's when we acknowledge we need God more than anything else. To acknowledge you need God more than anything else. I need God more than the air. There's that song, more than the air I breathe. More than the song I sing. More than anything else, I need God. And being dependent upon him is humility. How many of us sometimes we can go throughout the whole day and never call on God? We do things in our own strength. Before we turn to God and we are self-sufficient, we've got to humble ourselves. God, we need you. Let me tell you, unless the Lord builds a house, those that labor, labor in vain. We're in a territory that's not the easiest territory because we're competing with all the materialism of the world. We're dealing with the stigma of past failures in the church. And people are antagonistic. We're dealing with all those things. Nothing less than a move of God can bring a revival. Are you here? Someone say humility. humility. Number two, key number two, we've got to pray big prayers. Pray big prayers. Mark 11 verse 24 says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Come on, when we sing a song about the presence of God falling, let's believe he's going to fall. When we pray a prayer about, our, about a healing, let's believe he's going to heal. When we pray about salvation, let's believe he's going to save. Let's not just go the religious, the religious, offer the religious words or sing the words, but have no expectation. Come on, we've got to pray in faith and believe we serve a big God. God is bigger. People say, oh, America's gone. There's hope, no hope for America. I think God says, Really? Because God is bigger. Our God is bigger. Come on. He's bigger than Batman. He's bigger than Superman. Come on. He's bigger than Iron Man. He's bigger than who's in the White House. Come on. He's bigger than any agenda that is out there. Come on. Our God is bigger. Come on. As we lift him up, we glorify him. He'll draw all men to himself. Turn to your neighbor and say, your God is bigger. You know, when you're kids and you're on the playground, you're like, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. No, no, no. My daddy's bigger than my daddy. My daddy is bigger than any daddy. Come on. My God is bigger than any God. we got to pray big prayers. John 14 verse 13 says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. We've got to ask. We've got to believe. In the Welsh revival, they asked for 11 years. Don't stop asking five minutes. Don't stop acting after six months. Don't stop. There's things I've been believing God for for years, but I'm not going to stop asking. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking because, come on, God's the God of suddenly, all of a sudden. 
How many people? Jesus told them, 5,000 people he preached to go and tarry and receive power from on high. There's only 120 that waited. How many were there on day one? There probably a lot more. Day two, day three, day four, it probably started dwindling. A week later, it started dwindling. It was 40 days that they prayed. 40 days that they sought God. But thank God they didn't give up. Those that were in the room were there at the outpouring. Now the rest probably got something too. Thank God he's, he's great. But come on, I want to be right at the spout when it comes out. I'm right there at the source. Come on. I don't want the third party. I don't want the overflow. I want to be right at the spout and what God does. Are you here? Yeah. Leonard Ravenhill, who wrote a book on revival praying, said this. Faith's supreme longing is the return of the glory that has departed from the sanctuary. If we today could rediscover the virtue in the, that name, the victory in that name, the violence in that name, we could set this world alight for God. I don't know about you, I have one prayer that's burning my heart. Even since I'm a young boy, Lord, send revival. Lord, send a move of God. Come on. But we are the move of God. But we've got to pray big prayers. Tell your neighbor it's time to pay, pray big prayers. Our Bible says in Ephesians 3 verse 20, God is able. Someone say he's able. To do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above whatever we ask or can even imagine. Think about that. It, even in the biggest things you can dream of, God's like, that's just little to me. Sometimes we're so afraid, well, I don't think I should ask for that much. Come on, ask for uh, as much as you can because your much is little to God exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. Ephesians 3 verse 20. God has prepared those things for us. So what do we have to do? What are the keys? Number one, we've got to have the key of humility. Number two, we've got to have the key and pray big prayers. And number three, the key of hungering after God. You've got to hunger after God. Psalm 73 verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I will desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let's read that out loud together. It says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Say it one more time. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is the strength of our lives, of our heart, and we need to hunger after him. He said, it's good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord that I might declare all your works. Revival isn't a formula. What is revival? It's about falling in love with Jesus again. How do you fall in love with Jesus? Taste and see that he's good. How do you fall in love with Jesus? You get in his presence and you don't want to come out. You get in the place of prayer and you don't want to come out. It's coming before God and hungering. A.W. Tozer said this, if we long for God as a bride looks forward to the return of her husband, we'd be far greater force for God than we are now. In the Jewish culture, when the, when the bride's groom would come, he would come and propose to his bride. And then what did he do? He would go to prepare for the wedding and he would leave his bride. Because come on, parents were really smart back then. Until you're married, you don't get to spend time with my lady, with my girl. Are you here? And the bride would look out 
the window. When is he coming? Is he coming today? She put her makeup on, get all pretty. Is he coming to get me today? Is he coming to get to me today? And she would look with longing, and then all of a sudden, one day, he would come. The bride, uh, the groom would come with his entourage to take his bride and bring her to marry her. And what's the Bible say? That's how we should be looking for God. Some of you are off in your dream. Come back, come back, come on, come on. You're back at the reading reception. Come back. But looking with longing. We should be longing for God more than we long for anything else. Long for God more than we long for our spouse. Long for God more than we long to be married or to be successful or anything else or to have kids or whatever it is. That should be our pursuit and our longing. Are you here? Psalms 42, David said it this way, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul for you, longs for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall he come? Or shall I come, excuse me, and appear before God? God is waiting. He didn't say, when will God come and appear before me? He said, when can I come and get back into the presence of God? We need to be hungry for the presence of God. Psalm 63 and verse 1, David said, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. He loved God's presence more than he loved sleep. Let that sink in. More than sleeping in on Saturday. You long for the presence of God. My soul lurks for you so I get up early so I can get in your presence before I have to do anything else. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and to see your glory. And come on, we have a better covenant because we can look for God. We can encounter God. And we don't have to leave him in a box and visit him next week. We can take him home. Come on with us. He lives on the inside of us and carry his presence. We've got to use the key of hungering after God. When you're hungry, come on, you've been hungry. Sometimes you're hungry as I could eat a horse. We exaggerate because of hunger. How hungry are we for God? Well, I don't have time to pray. You're not hungry. Well, I don't have time to come to worship God. You're not hungry. Well, I don't have time for connect group. You're not hungry. Are you here? If you're hungry, you're going to do it. Most of us make sure we eat our meals. You might be struggling. I'm struggling financially. Well, how many times did you eat yesterday? Three and a half? <laughs> if you count your snacks in. You made sure to eat. Why? Because you're going to make sure you eat. Because you're hungry. You're going to make sure you're satisfied in your flesh. Come on. How much more should we be satisfied in the spirit? By God's presence and prioritizing that. And I'm not saying you have to attend every event and meeting and stuff happens. But you want to be there. Come on, even when I'm on the other side of the world, I'm, I'm online watching. Why? Because I don't want to miss out on what God's doing because I'm hungry. It could be one in the morning and I'm tuning in with my camera off. Come on. <laughs> but, but I'm hungry. I'm pursuing. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there. When I'm in a, my low time and I'm in the car or any of that, my heart goes to God. I still have to work. I don't get to sit home as a pastor in my pajamas and just pray all day. I got stuff going on. But my heart goes to God. My affections are set upon God. Amen. We've got a hunger for God. And finally, number four, the fourth key. You've got to kill sin and worldliness in your life. You've got to kill sin and worldliness in your life. I use the word kill because it's not going to die by itself. You've got to crucify the flesh. 
and the desires of the flesh. What am I saying? Being driven by the flesh, being driven by the deceitfulness of riches, being driven by the lust of the flesh. And we know the lust of the flesh. Your flesh wants to eat, wants to drink, it wants to sleep, and it wants to have sex. Write that down. That's your flesh. And you've got to crucify that. You've got to put it inside. You can't just let the flesh and feed yourself. You'll be 300 pounds. Are you here? When you've got an urge, you can't just do that urge. Come on, you're going to, that's not how God intended that. You can't be sleeping all the time and just live for a holiday and vacation. That's not reality. If you don't work, you're not going to eat. But how many people we get into the excesses of the flesh? And, and yes, can we enjoy the flesh? Yes, in the plan of God, in the timing of God, in the pattern of God. But if we're living for the flesh, we can't live to, for God. Yeah. Isaiah 55, verse 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. It starts with our thoughts. When your mind starts going to something, put it back on Jesus. Yeah. When you're tired at night and you're on, 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 the, on the internet, Turn it off and go to sleep. Turn it off and go pray. Are you here? When you're feeling tired and you want to get the munchies, go for a run. Are you here? When, when, when you're, you're, you're wanting to sleep 13 hours and you know you only need seven, get out of bed. You feel worse. Have you ever done that? You wake up and you're like feeling all right and you're like, well, I don't have to get up today. And then you sleep longer and you feel terrible because you overslept. Your body didn't need that slip, and you start getting lethargic. Are you here? It's got to start with our thoughts. And it was to say, let him return to the Lord. Focus on God. And what? God will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon us. God is always faithful to forgive. But we've got to turn to him. And we all have things we're struggling with. It's usually the gold. It's money. Or it's the guys or the girls. Or sometimes both. And it's the glory. Those are the things we all deal with. But we've got to put those things aside and pursue God. And God will give us the gold. Come on, God will give us. But you seek first the kingdom of God, all things will happen. God will give us healthy relationship, but that can't be an idol. God tests Abraham when he gave him his son, and his son was his idol. God said, put it on the altar. And he tested him. And Abraham passed the test. Will we put it on the altar? Are you here? Will we put our security on the altar? Will we put God? God's looking for the heart that is loyal and surrender to him. There's a story in Exodus 16, and we don't have time to turn there. But what happened? It was the time of Moses and Pharaoh. And what happened? All the frogs started coming out. What are all the frogs? They're the secret sins that are there croaking in our life. In the middle of the night, get rid of the frogs in your life. Get rid of the, frogs are nasty things, they're slimy things. You know, most people don't have a pet frog. They feed them, I'm not even gonna go there, but don't, don't get the things that are there that are are croaking and, and coming up in the evening in the time of your life. Deal with it. John 21, verse 1. The Bible says, last verse, it said, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. And in his way, he showed himself to Simon. 
to Thomas, called the twin, to Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, to the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples that were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going to go too. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they said, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. But there was a disciple whom Jesus loved, John, who said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, what did he do? He put on his outer garment, for he removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Peter wasn't concerned about the fish. He wasn't concerned about the livelihood. He wasn't concerned about all the money they were going to make from having the fish. He wasn't concerned about eating when they had no food. He wanted the presence of God. And what did he do? When he saw Jesus, he jumped into the water. He was the same one when he said, if it's you, Jesus, speak to me. And he stepped out of the boat and he got into the supernatural. Come on, that's how we need to be. Well, we don't care if we get wet. We don't care. Well, I didn't bring my suit. Well, my hair's not in the right place. I don't have my goggles. You know, I don't want to this. I don't want to get. No, no, I don't care. I just want Jesus. And when Jesus shows up and when Jesus is moving, come on, we're going to just lay hold of Jesus. We're going to hunger for him. Come on, when it's time to pray, we're going to pray. When it's time to praise, we're going to put our praise garment on. When it's time to worship, I don't care if my hair is gone. I don't care if my mascara is running. If you're a woman, I don't care, you know, if I got snot running out of my nose because I've been crying and weeping. Come on, I just want Jesus. Come on, that's the heart of hunger. Come on, it's time to go lower to the place of humility where we humble ourselves and be more dependent on God. Why has God been shaking things up? Why have we been complaining? Why did we have to go through 2020? Why? So God could get our heart back right where we say, God, we just want you. I don't care about popcorn and movies and entertainment. I don't care about all the excesses of the world. I just want you. Where we begin to hunger for God so we'll passionately plunge into the sea. Where we'll pray big prayers. God, send revival. Send a move of God. That will shake Orange County again for your glory. And kill the frogs. Any of those little frogs that come in, get rid of the frogs. Come on, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Nothing sin, the glamours of sin bring to us is worth it. Temporary satisfaction, temporary fulfillment is not worth it. Come on, he's the greatest thing that we can have in our life. Let's stand on our feet. He's the greatest thing.